to hear that other people are blessed is tremendous. I remember uh, writing essays to apply to law schools. One of them asked me about my motivations. I used a verse from 1 John where you know, it calls Jesus our advocate with the Father, and the Greek there is parakletos. It literally means one called alongside to help. What I wrote in my essay is that's what I want to do. I want to be a person called alongside to help. This podcast is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. Homeschooling is an exciting adventure we take with our children. One of the most challenging parts of this journey is choosing the curriculum you want to use. BJU Press Homeschool is a curriculum you can trust. All the books, resources, and videos have been designed with you and your child in mind. Their curriculum is educationally robust and rich, taking into account that children have different learning styles, strengths, and needs. Mom, you are in charge. BJU Press Homeschool is here to come alongside and support you. Do you need help with the teaching load or is there a subject you just don't want to teach? Their amazing video courses are available for all grades in almost every subject. BJU Press Homeschool believes that homeschooling can produce a new generation of students who know God, love their neighbors, and stand firm in their faith. For more information, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Zan Tyler podcast. I'm your host, Zan Tyler. This podcast is devoted to encouraging you in your homeschool journey through conversations with amazing homeschool leaders and advocates. I wanted to remind you to please subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. That may be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review and rating, especially on Apple Podcast. If this show has helped you on your homeschool journey, it really helps the podcast out and we sure do appreciate it. Also, we are now on YouTube, so if video is your style, please like and subscribe to the Zantaler Podcast on YouTube. And be sure to go to the website, zantyler.com. You can find all my social handles there for the show, like Facebook and Instagram. You can also send me a message. So now with all of that out of the way, let me introduce you to my guest. Today, I continue my conversation with Michael Ferris in our part two episode. Mike was the founder and president of Homeschool Legal Defense and continues on as chairman of the board today. If you missed part one, be sure to go back and listen to it. Without further ado, here's Mike. You know, I remember um, after you started Patrick Henry College and we had all been praying for it and you were we had something else going on in South Carolina. I can't remember what it was, but you had called me on your way home and you told me that PHC had just gotten its accreditation. And that was that was a huge moment, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, well, uh, we've been accredited by two different organizations. One is uh, a Christian accrediting association. Um, and then about a year, uh, year ago and a bit, uh, the, the, the regional association, SACS, the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools, uh, fully accredited Patrick Henry. So um, we, uh, you know, the academic side was never an issue. It was just, right. you know, some of the administrative stuff and, you know, um, other things. It's just a lot of paperwork. Well, it's a process. Yeah. When you start a college, it's a process. That's why you don't see new colleges springing Dang. up every year unless they all know Mike Ferris. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, our, so how many students at PHC now? Do you know generally? About 400. It's About it's. 400. Yeah, um, we were stalled at 300 for a long time, uh, but we finally uh, 
you know, turned a new leaf and it's, it's, it's growing now. It's, it's going to continue to grow. The goal has never been to be large. We wanted to be about a thousand. Um, and that's in sight now. They're building new dorms right now. And, uh, um, you know, a lot of colleges are going backwards, but PHC is slowly but surely going, getting bigger. And, uh, frankly, you know, uh, it's not a healthy thing to just, to, you know, go from 400 to 1,000 overnight. You, you right, couldn't handle, right. handle that growth. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful campus. We've been up there many times. And so, all right. So I want to circle back around and ask you a question about your HSLDA days. What would you say were your three biggest achievements or milestones or court cases while you were there? You were there for, what, 17 years as president? Um, yeah, uh, I was, I, I was employed by, uh, HSLDA from, well, if you count the unpaid years from 1983 until six years ago, until 2016. So oh, I, okay. I, okay. I played, time. you know, yeah. Um, but I stopped being president when Patrick Henry college opened and I became chairman. But, uh, what I did in that second phase was I still did all the appellate litigation, and I ran the federal lobbying program while Patrick Henry was going. Mike Smith ran the organization from an gotcha. operation perspective. Yes. Okay. Um, so I, um, um, through my three favorite, well, um, winning the DeYoung case in the Michigan Supreme Court, where they declared that requiring homeschool parents to be certified teachers uh, was a violation of their constitutional rights. That was. It was a big deal, and it knocked the teacher certification thing in in uh, in into oblivion. And so that and was. And Michigan had been one of the worst states in the country yeah. for homeschooling, right? It had. The there were three big. states held out to the bitter end: uh, Michigan, and North Dakota, and Iowa were the last three states that required teacher certification. Although there was a bit of a reprise. In California in 2005 with the Jonathan L case, um, and I, I guess I'd have to say the Jonathan L case in California would be one of the others um, because now, which one is that? That was uh, there was a family that was not they were not members of HSLDA and they had um, a un, unrelated to homeschooling um, problem with social services, and and they were represented by by. Uh, court-appointed lawyers. And and in the process of that case, uh, something was raised about their homeschooling, and the trial judge said, well, they have an absolute right to homeschool. Well, the the prosecutors didn't like that statement, and they appealed to the Court of Appeals. Now, this is all private, shielded, behind the scenes. Nobody knew this was going on. And until the Court of Appeals released a public decision saying homeschooling is illegal in California. And so... So at that point in time, we contacted the lawyers who had been court appointed, and, and Jim Mason and I asked them if we could write a motion for reconsideration to the Court of Appeals, and they, they agreed to let us do it. And so Jim wrote the statutory portions of the motion, and I wrote the constitutional portions. And to our great surprise and delight, the court agreed to rehear the case. And at that point in time, there was a deluge of legal interest. There, there was probably a foot and a half of amicus briefs filed in the case, uh, and and then briefs for the for the people. Now, there's a normal rule that that a party can't write amicus briefs 
for their own case. But there's no rule that amicus can't write the party briefs. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, at it, we were amicus. HSL Day was officially amicus, but we wrote the party briefs as well. So, um, and at, at at that second round of appeal, and the um, uh, and then the court allowed very extended oral argument, and I was tapped to argue the constitutional portion of the case, and that. I was up there for about 45 minutes um, in, a, in a setting that normally you get 15 minutes for the whole case. Um, but we it was about a three-hour oral argument. And um, and so, you know, the, is homeschooling legal in California was the issue. And the Court of Appeals let us know um, the day before they released their opinion that was going to come down at 10 o'clock the next morning, California time. And we had written... A, um, a press release saying, you know, we're going to appeal and everything. Because the oral argument, my reading of it is we lost. You know, that they were, they were you know, they, they ruled against us before. And even though they re- heard the case, I didn't think we'd, we'd changed our mind. Um, and so I opened up the opinion, start reading it that morning. They're really saying, wait a second, we won. And so, um, and they won basically on the argument that I raised about the constitutionality uh, of it, and, you know, Jim's arguments also played into it uh, on the statutory issues, but that was a huge turnaround and a, and a great blessing. Oh, and that's, my third favorite story is uh, how we defeated HR six in Congress, um, and in uh, I would take the rest of our time together if I told the whole story. So you'll have to come back. Yeah, okay, you'll have to come, I'll back come back and we'll tell the HR six story because that was amazing. Basically. Yeah. Just give like the three okay. minutes. Well, uh, uh, George uh, Miller, who is a congressman from Contra Costa County, California, where Vicki and I got married in 1971, uh, uh, he um, uh, put a provision into a big education omnibus bill that required all homes, all all teachers in all forms of schooling in the country to be certified. Um, private schools, public schools, homeschools, public, everybody had to be certified in whatever the course they were teaching. And it, it had some harmful effects in public schools, a lot of harmful effects in private schools, but it was devastating to the homeschooling movement. And so um, Democrats controlled Congress. Dick Armey, a Republican member of the, the Education Committee, tried to put in an amendment in the committee to strip that out, and he was unsuccessful on a straight party line vote. Uh, he called me and asked me if he'd read the legislation correctly, and I said he had. And so we went to war on it, and we're on radio shows all over the country, uh, Marlon Maddox and Dr. Dobson particularly. And Newt Gingrich later told me that three million phone calls had come into Congress in uh, the last eight days. And um, But the morning of the vote, even though we, we, we knew we were going to win by that morning, eight days later, um, but... There were a problem developed that, that at the last minute, and we had to work out a procedural thing in order to su- secure the victory. It's too complicated to tell in, in a short time. But um, through a miraculous intervention of God by my daughter, Jamie, who was a 17-year-old graphic artist working for us at the time, she picked up a phone line she wasn't supposed to pick up, and it was it was the... A staff member from the House Rules Committee wanting to know what this, all these calls were about, and uh, he said, 
how do we stop all these phone calls? And I said, well, there's only one way, and that is make this procedural adjustment that we need and let the vote take place today. And uh, so he said, okay. And we basically said, I understand. He wasn't agreeing to it. He just was acknowledging what I said. And if you were watching C-SPAN, about five minutes later, um, George Miller walked across the floor of the house, talked to Dick Army for a really short period of time, maybe a couple of minutes. They shook hands, and about an hour later, the vote was taken, and we won 422 to 1. Um, and, <laughs> so I guess and George voted for his own He, he was the only one. And, and so the uh, net lesson of that was, you know, we had to work hard, and, you know, the 3 million calls mattered. But at the end of the day, if the Holy Spirit hadn't reached into the heart of a 17-year-old girl and told her to pick up the phone, the whole thing would have blown up. And so I needed to learn, and I think everybody needed to learn. It was not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And Amen. that's that's how it happened. Amen. So that's got to be a favorite memory in any, any rendition of this. So. Yes, yes. Well, I remember one of my memories like that is when we won't go into all of the ins and outs of it now, is when HSLDA won the Triple E case in South Carolina. And basically, homeschool parents who didn't have a college degree, had to take an education entrance exam um, that was administered like twice a year. I mean, it was awful. It was terrible. And we we lost lower court case, and then you won at the state Supreme Court. But I'll never forget, um, you called. You had the whole staff that you may not remember this. I remember it like it was yesterday. Called one morning, I guess it was in November or December. And y'all are all on speakerphones because that's our technology then. And you said, Zan, we won. And it's the first victory we had had in homeschooling in like seven years. And it was just like the walls of Jericho fall. I mean, it yeah. was that moment like you described in HR6 was like the, the sound of freedom. And there is no more powerful sound in the world. Than that. Well, that was number four. So... <laughs> <laughs> If, oh. if you would have given me four, uh, that would have been it. <laughs> okay, so i got to change the subject a minute. And I want to talk about the way that you have even unwitt- unwittingly mentored people throughout your career and your role at HSLDA, PHC, and ADF, I'm sure. Um, and one of those people is my son, John. So John grew up with me, as did Ty, going to the state house, living at the state house, and going to court cases. And John particularly remembers that scene when you argued the oral arguments, and he was probably 11, uh, at the state Supreme Court. And he loved your stories about how you had led homeschooling moms to the Lord, and you prayed with your clients. And he heard you tell all these stories when we were all together. So he um, eventually went to law school and um, graduated. And when he was working for a law firm, his about probably into his third or fourth week, he called me and he said, Mom, can you give me Mr. Ferris's cell phone number? And I said, sure, honey, is everything okay? And he said, yeah, I just want to call him and tell him that I had the opportunity for the first time to pray with one of my clients. And I just appreciate him teaching me how important that was. And and so then, so, and and you know, Mike, you have no idea, through the Blackstone Fellows Program and all these ways you input it into John's life. So you know the end of this story and where I'm going. But so about a month ago, John was named the deputy superintendent of education in charge of legal affairs, which means he's lead counsel for the State Department of Education. 
And um, that's and so wonderful. I just remember we, calling. You were the that, only person I could call. You know, I couldn't yeah. tell anybody, yeah. and I knew you would get it. You know, yeah. From, yeah. from all no. the. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's just you know, there are two things like like that where there's just confirmation that we're you know of God's blessing and the fruit and the the maturation of the of the movement. John is one of those two. The other is I was at a uh, event in North Dakota oh six seven years ago, and I was meeting with state legislators on a different topic and. Um, legislator named Nathan Toman came up to his young kid, you know, I mean, he's in his twenties and his state legislator and, um, name sounded a little familiar. And then I realized that I had represented his family in the North Dakota Supreme court because they were being criminally prosecuted for homeschooling. And so his, his homeschooling was an issue right down the hall because the, the, the legislature and the Supreme court in North Dakota are in the same building, they're just down the hall from each other. And to see him there in the legislature making law was a great vindication. And John is is right there the same thing, is is for him to be the person, because his predecessor is the one that called me evil. And, you know, the devil. Uh, to well, be, no, I, I called him the devil. He called oh, me Oh, you evil. called him the devil. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, got to get those details yeah. right. <laughs> so. and, 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 and they those attorneys for the State Department of Education, Made, they harassed and harangued and made my life miserable, you know, for seven years. Yeah. And well, Lord, the Lord has a sense of humor and, uh, and, 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 and vindication. That is vindication. Yeah. So, hey, I'm going to bring my husband Joe in because he, he's not going to sit here for, for very much longer while I talk to you without being a part of it. So, I'm sure all of our listeners would love to know what's the biggest trout you've caught. <laughs> Well, it uh, it was uh, it was about thirty nine inches, I think it was, and uh, about uh, seven and a half pounds, something like that. Goodness and, gracious! Yeah, um, a homeschool family in uh, the Adirondacks, shooting uh, with the Allegheny Mountains in Maryland, uh, have a stream going through their their property, and they just throw uh, fish. The trout chow, what it is, into the into the stream. They don't trap the trout or anything, but the trout don't work for it. Hang around, and get this extra food, and <laughs> they've got some monsters in their little stream, and they let me come over and fish in it. And I I caught this big big boy. But uh, the thing that uh, I'll never forget about the two of you is we we were at a homeschool conference together in Arizona, and uh, we went to a professional baseball game together, and. Um, I, I coached little girls softball for a long time. And based on this this uh, great uh, amount of softball experience, I leaned over to tell the two of you this nuance about baseball. Zan said, yeah, Joe pitched. He was a D1 <laughs> NCAA pitcher. And I go, I, mean, I, I was so embarrassed. To, yeah, yeah. Well, so. you, you still might have known more about it than I did. <laughs> I doubt it. Because <laughs> girls softball, that's a big challenge there. Yeah, yeah. I I, I always taught them, uh, you know, uh, we, we had this drill called no breaks on first base. So I'd have them run down the first base line screaming, no breaks on first base. And so they would run <laughs> through the base rather than stopping. <laughs> so th- th- that was the pinnacle of my success. But I was a good softball coach who went on a 35-0 win streak. 
<laughs> well, uh, it's interesting that the way little girls and little boys play is so different. I'll never forget watching my granddaughter's softball game the first time. And they had all these cheers. And growing <laughs> yeah. up, we never had cheers in baseball. I mean, yeah, we yeah. sat there and watched the game, you know, and it was really yeah. something else to, to uh, see the difference in the way these kids enjoyed their sports. It was awesome. Well, you guys, I can't thank you enough for everything you've done for homeschooling and homeschool freedom. It's been pretty amazing. Joe ate lots of pizza. That's right. <laughs> that was one of my main roles. That's right. Well, you were the financer of our homeschool program, so you were on the road a lot while all this was going yeah. on, and I appreciate that. Well, the other the other story I think about, Mike, is uh, when uh, y'all were fighting some battle down at the state house, and it was pouring rain, it was near Christmas time, and um, you just found out, I think you can tell the rest of it, was when we were having so many legislative problems and David Beasley, who won went on to be governor, and I think you've met him, Mike, he just won the Oh yeah. Oh yeah, not Nobel, Nobel Prize, Prize, yeah. You had flown down um to meet with David Beasley, who was chairman of the House Education and Public Works Committee with me and then one of our uh, other board members. And David went on to be governor and win the Nobel Peace Prize. So, you know, I stayed a peon, he went on and did great things. But we were trying to work out a nuance in a law to avoid a lot of litigation. So David said, when the three of us met, he said, I think, you know, I think we can work it out. So we're walking out of the state house together. You had to go catch a plane. And I mean, it was all cold and it was rainy. And all he said that you said that was a great meeting. And I just burst into tears because I had the freedom to do that with you. And you said, why are you crying? This is good news. And I said, all of a sudden it hit me. I have to go through a whole nother round of legislation with my family next year. And I just don't think I have the shoulders to bear it. And you looked at me and you said, Zan, it sounds like you need a new set of shoulders to me. And so you went and caught your plane and I went and got in the car and cried some more and turned on the car. I'd left the radio on. It was a Christian radio station. It was Christmas. And the first thing that came across the airwaves were, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And, Amen. you know, Mike, of all the things you taught me over the years, one of the greatest was do not fear because you were fearless. And when I was a homeschool mom starting out and I had been threatened with jail, I was afraid. I mean, I was really afraid. I was afraid they'd take my kids. I was afraid they'd take me from my kids. And I was really afraid. And we were, um, I was at the point where I was six months pregnant with our third child and we found out we were losing the baby. And the boys had to be tested, and I had to take them to a public school, and Joe was out of town, and I was a mess. And you called about a public hearing we were supposed to be having, or so I don't remember what the call was about. And again, I just burst into tears while we were talking on the phone. And you prayed for me and encouraged me again, do not fear. And so that has, you know, you just gave me so much courage to continue on. And if you hadn't have been there and done that... I. I mean, it was really a significant part of my journey. And so that day when you said you need a new set of shoulders and you weren't being rude, you were just talking to me plainly. And I heard that Bible verse when I got in the car. It was really um, it was really another line of demarcation, I guess, in my life where the Lord said to me, Zan, the government is on my shoulders and you're playing a small part. But the weight of it is not on you. It's just like you said, it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. 
but you know you've you've mentored John in so many ways you've mentored me and like there are countless thousands of people out there who can say the same thing so I just appreciate you more than you will ever know well you've been very very kind to me over the years in telling me stories like this and it does encourage me uh it encouraged me to keep going and, and to hear that other people are blessed um, is is tremendous. I, I remember uh, writing it, uh, essays to apply to law schools, and um, one of them asked me about my motivations, and I, I used a verse from First John. Uh, where it's you know calls Jesus, or you know we have an advocate with the Father, and the Greek there is Parakletos, if I'm saying it correctly, uh, and it literally means one called alongside to help. And what I what I wrote in my essay is that's what I want to do. I want to be a person called alongside to help, and uh, to hear that I that I've done that for you and for others, uh, it's it's what I dreamed of, and so you know. That's my calling. That's what God's allowed me to do. That's what God's gifted to me to do. And it blesses me to hear that God's gifting, God's empowerment, God's enablement has borne fruit. You know, yeah. I, I, that's all I can say it is because, you know, it's just the old culvert again. I'm I'm just there to uh, let stuff flow through. And I, I trust that most of the time I've been a clean culvert. Hey, Mike, before we close, I, because I know you've got to run, Tell us briefly now, I know that you were CEO and um, president of Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF, for many years, and now you're doing that on a more part-time basis. So tell us what else you're doing. I know you've got your plate full once again. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I was uh, the president and CEO of ADF, which is the largest uh, conservative or legal organization in the world. Uh, And I, I, I did that for six years, and I've just retired in October 1st. Um, from that role, and I, I'm, I'm part-time, I'm, I'm a lawyer again, rather than an administrator. And, uh, um, I, so I, I work a third of my time for ADF, uh, a third of my time, uh, for the Convention of States Project that I also started. And then, uh, a third of my time, um, the General Counsel for National Religious Broadcasters. And so, that, that conference I noticed is coming up in May yeah. and you'll be speaking. That's right before the big Florida conference, FBEA. So I'm hoping yeah. we might make it out of that conference. Yeah. And hear you so, speak there. Well, I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Zan. And um, any words of wisdom you have for us as homeschoolers, as moms, dads, as Christians in this country right now as we close? Just trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him that he will direct your paths. We don't have to worry about it. God will protect us. Amen. Amen. Thank Thank you you so much, Mike. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this was encouraging and inspiring for you. If you would like more information, you can find me at zantyler.com. Until next time, see you later. 